0: How many of you have ever heard of the seven churches in the book of Revelation? Maybe some of you have heard of the the seven churches. But we're going to kind of introduce the seven churches. But the series is, uh, the title is this, listen up, listen up. And it's actually because of some of the words that Jesus says in these first few chapters of the book of Revelation. Um, And we'll kind of talk about that in a moment. But we're going to start in Revelation chapter 1. And this is kind of the introduction to the series. Um, and then we will begin to look at the seven churches. Uh, and, and each time the Lord says, literally says, anyone who has the ability to hear, hear what the, what the Lord is saying to the churches. And so he's saying to you and I to listen up, to listen up. And so I'd like to read this entire chapter, Revelation 1, because then this will lead us into our series as we look at this series, listen up, and look at the seven churches In the instruction that that the Lord gives them. And so would you just follow along with me? It says this. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything that he saw. This is his report of the word of God in the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. Listen to these words. And he blesses all who listen. He's saying, listen up. He says he blesses all who listen to its message. That's what we're going to be doing here. And he says, and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the providence of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is who always was, who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things. He's the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, His Father, and all glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. Look. He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. All the nations of the world will mourn for Him. Yes, amen. The word amen means let it be so. It's true. He says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is who always was and is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in, the, in patience and endurance to which Christ Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for the preaching of the Word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day. And I was worshiping in the Spirit, and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus and Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as like a flame of fire. And his feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like a mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me. said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in the grave, write down what you have seen, both the things that are are now happening and the things that will happen, and then we're going to see that he then begins to address the seven churches, but I want to look at this introduction, I don't know about you, but there's a lot there, a lot of powerful words, a lot of powerful things, we only have three hours to get it covered this morning, amen, (laughs) and so bear with me, pray that we can get it done. But let's have a word of prayer. Ask God to bless the reading of his word. And as he said, there is a blessing for those who read it to the church. There's a blessing for you who hear it, and most importantly, those who obey the word. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd bless Lord, this new series. I pray you'd bless your word this morning. Lord, what a powerful passage of scripture. I pray that we would listen that we would listen intently, that we would listen up. As we see that clearly the Scripture says that there is a blessing for those who hear, Lord, this message, who hear the reading of the book of Revelation, Lord, of these words that you have written and sent to the churches, but only to those churches, but for each of us. As you said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit and what the Lord has to say to these churches. And so this, this message is just not for those seven churches, but this message is for each of us today as well. So Father, I pray you would send your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to lead us. Lord, I pray that you would give me a clear mind, Lord, and the ability to just uh, communicate, Lord, what you have here for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we said, this is an introduction to the, the letter that he's about to, to write. Paul, uh, John is writing to the seven churches. Um, I want you to notice just very quickly just a number of things about this, this letter, this revelation. How many of you have ever heard of the word apocalypse? All right. The, that's the Greek word. The apocalypse literally is, is the same word as revelation. That's where we get the word revelation. It means the unveiling, the unfolding. And so immediately the, book, the letter starts like this. It's the revelation of who? Of Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In, in essence, it's not just his message for us, but it's the revealing of who Christ is. And we'll get to that in just a moment because really the book of Revelation is not just about, and this is what happens, is oftentimes we get so caught up with the end times and, and the signs of the times and, and the Armageddon and all of these things, and we miss the whole point. The whole point of of the Word of God and of the Scriptures and the whole point of the Book of Revelation, if we don't miss that, you don't want to miss this. And that is, it's who Jesus Christ is. It's revealing Christ because without Christ, understand this: that we are without hope. Without Christ, I mean, Jesus Christ is our everything. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show His servants—that's you and I—what must soon take place. The things to come. But most importantly, it is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Who did God use to write this, this powerful letter? Well, it was John. And he shares with us, he says, I, the servant John. This is John the disciple, John the beloved. John who, who walked with Christ, who talked with Christ, who, who saw Christ do his, his ministerial work. He watched Jesus perform miracles. This is the same John who sat at the Lord's Supper. And the Bible says that literally he laid his head on the chest of the Lord. He heard the very heartbeat of of God himself, of Jesus Christ. He listened to the heartbeat of Christ. This is the John who wrote many of the other letters that understood the true meaning of what love really is. In fact, he was called John the what? the beloved, or John the loved. Some would say he was Jesus' favorite. Regardless of that, this is that John. This is the John who was the one who was with Jesus in the upper room. This is the John who was the only one when all the others forsook Jesus and fled and ran for their lives. Where was John? John was standing at the foot of the cross, and he watched his Savior bleed and die. And as he looked up and, and, and saw his Savior dying, Jesus looks down to John and says to John, listen, behold your mother. And he's speaking of his own mother, Mary. He says, it is your responsibility, John. Take care of her. Take care of her. And he says to his mother, this is now your son. You're taking my place. I mean, this, is, this John, this guy, listen, he, he was the real deal. Amen. He loved Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is the one that the Lord revealed this revelation, the revelation, this letter. And he challenges him to send this letter to the seven churches. We'll speak of them in a moment. Many people believe that John was also the pastor at the church of Ephesus, which is mentioned. And that will be the first letter that we, we, we study. John, it is said by Tertullian and by many those who studied church history, believe that John was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. There's no way for us to completely prove that. But understand this: that when even when Jesus was here, And Peter and John, and they were discussing things. Jesus told Peter that he will live to an old age. But he says, and he gave the description of how Peter would die. He told Peter that he would be crucified. And Peter says, well, what's John going to do? Like a competition. And Jesus says, well, if I want John to live forever, you know, that's, that's, what does that have to do with you? That's not your business. Don't worry about John. Worry about you. You do you. But then a, a story went around that John was never going to die. And that's not what Jesus meant at all. But Jesus saying, if I want him to live until I return, that's not any of your business, do you? By the way, Christians would do a good job if they just... We could do a lot better job if just mind your own business. Amen? <laughs> and Jesus literally says, mind your business. You do you. You walk the journey that I put you on and let John walk the journey that he put on. And it was within... The early church, this thought that maybe John would live forever. And what happened was church history says that John was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. Remember, John is the only one who did not die a martyr's death. All the other disciples died a martyr's death. And it said that he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. But it says with, without harm. They couldn't kill him. And so in order to shut him up, and we'll speak of this in a moment, they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. We'll speak of that in a moment. But in Revelation 1, verse 3, just a reminder, he says this, he says that there is a blessing to those who read this letter, who read this message to the church. And so I'm praying that I get an extra blessing for teaching and preaching this, amen? I need it, I gotta pay for two, help with two weddings, amen? (laughs) He says, read it to the church. But he says this, He says, there's a blessing to those of you that hear it. And as you sit here and you hear the reading and you hear the teaching of God's word, there's a blessing for you. And then he says, for those who obey it. But in these just few chapters, in three chapters, eight times, the Lord says, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. What he's saying is this, pay pay close attention, pay careful attention, listen up, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen up to what I have to say to these churches. Because understand this, the message that Jesus had to those churches were not only for those seven physical churches, but the message is for you and I today. It's just as relevant. May I say to you something? The Word of God is still relevant today. Man, I'm telling you, the Bible is so far ahead of its time. Amen? And it's still relevant. It is not outdated it's way ahead of its time. But he says eight times to listen up. Many of the times as you study in the Gospels, when Jesus taught a parable, at the end of the, his teachings, at the end of his parable, he would say these words, you that have ears to hear, you need to hear. What he's saying is, listen up. It's kind of like I, I coach, and coach have coached different sports and coach wrestling, and there's times you'll be teaching technique or showing things, and you'll look over and there's a kid just kind of like, And know, will be like, hey, hey, listen, listen up. You know, I think sometimes we all are like those kids, just kind of, you know, spiritually speaking. We're not listening up. We're not awake. And he says, listen up. Listen to what I have to say. These letters are for you and I today. But where did he write this letter from? The Bible tells us here, John says, that he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Reason why, he says, for the preaching and for his testimony and for the word of God. You see, John still had something that God needed him to do. I cannot prove this, but it is said that he was, and I think church history is pretty accurate. But it says that he was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil and he was unharmed. And so because they couldn't kill him, they said, well, let's exile him. We'll send him to the Isle of Patmos. It's a guarded island. And under Roman guard and on that island, we'll exile him. And because because of his influence and because of his impact, we will shut him up. We'll put him on that island and just exile him out there in a place of desolation and isolation. We'll just let him out there to rot. And lo and behold, God had other plans. Amen. And so he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Listen to these words, Psalm 139, 7 through 10. In Psalm 139, he says this. The psalmist says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He may have been exiled by the emperor uh, Domitian, but he was not exiled by God. Amen? He was sent out to that island in order to, to be shut up, if you will, in order to not have impact and not have influence. But we see that God had other plans. the Bible says that the Lord is is near and that there is nowhere that you can go that God's Spirit cannot cannot go and that God's Spirit cannot be there. And so he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. As I mentioned earlier, it's a place where the Romans would would guard the island. It is said that the church of Ephesus, which was the closest church and the church where John was pastor, would bring provisions. They were allowed to bring provisions to him in order to sustain him. Many people would die with exposure to the elements. There's actually a cave there. It's called the Cave of the Apocalypse, where we know it as the Cave of Revelation. It is said that then this Cave of the Apocalypse is where he received these visions from the Lord and where, where the Lord, we see here in Revelation 1, we're we'll seeing a moment, the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him. But I want you to notice something. It says this in Revelation 1 verse 10 in this passage. It says, on the Lord's day, something interesting happened. He's exiled on this island. He's isolated. It's a place of desolation. He's just It's desolate. And he's all alone. But as we see here, the Lord is going to appear. But I want you to see what it's interesting. It was on the Lord's day. Does anyone know what the Lord's day is? means or what that statement is, the Lord's Day. We, we, may, we use it a lot of times, the Lord's Day. Anyone know what that is? I'll give you a hint. It's today. What's today? Sunday. I don't know if you know this, <clears throat> but a lot of times people growing up their whole life in church will say the Lord's Day, the Lord's Day. Understand Sunday is called the Lord's Day, and that happened at the time of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the time that Jesus resurrected on a Sunday, early in the morning, on a Sunday morning. From that time forward, all followers of Christ, all believers refer to Sunday as the Lord's Day. Because it's the day each week that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus Christ is alive. Amen? Amen. He is risen and he's alive. And so we celebrate that. One of the reasons why you're here today and we choose this day, doesn't mean you have to choose this day, but because we choose this day, because this is the day, once a week, every year that we celebrate, this is the day that our Lord has risen from the dead and even proclaims that here in this first chapter. But it's interesting because it says, on the Lord's day, on the Lord's day, the Bible says that the Lord reveals Himself to John, but I want you to catch something. What was John doing on the Lord's day? In Revelation 1.10, he says this: that as he was worshiping, as he was worshiping, and when he was worshiping, the Lord showed up. You see, let me express something to you. John was exiled on the island. He was not in a synagogue. He was not in a temple. He was not in a church. He was not in a mosque. He was not in some form of monastery. He wasn't with a whole big group of believers. He was isolated in a desolate place, alone on the Isle of Patmos. And as he's out there, you know what John still did? Don't miss this. John still found time and the opportunity to worship God. Can I tell you something? You can worship God anywhere at any time. Amen? Jesus said that in in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. And as he has his experience with the woman at the well, they were, if you will, kind of a little bit different religion. And she says... She says to Jesus, she says, well, you you guys worship in Jerusalem and we worship here on our mountain. Well, which one's right? Who's right? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said this. There is coming a day. It's coming very soon. Jesus said there's coming a day when it doesn't matter which mountain you worship. He says you will worship God in spirit and in truth. Amen. You see, you and I have this awesome opportunity that we don't have to be. I think church is important. I'm glad you're here. Amen. But John was exiled from the church. He was on on an island and he was exiled. And he did not have to have the church or a temple or a mosque or a place of worship. Wherever he was, he began to worship God. And when he worshiped the Lord, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to him and gave him this revelation. There is nowhere that you can go that the Lord is not there. And then he says, write and send this letter to the seven churches. Let me just show you real quick just a couple maps just to get this out of the way. I don't know if you guys have them up there, but just so you can see. If you want to know where the seven churches are, they're in what's called Asia Minor. At the time, now we know it as Turkey. Anybody ever heard of Turkey? Other than that, Thanksgiving. So there's Turkey. Turkey. In all, as you can kind of see, there's the seven churches. Ephesus was the closest, and then it kind of goes to Smyrna, and then it went up to Pergamos, and they went back down, all the way back down to, to Laodicea. There might be another couple other pictures. Maybe just scroll through real quick. There you can see that uh, the Mediterranean Sea is right below Asia Minor. Where the Isle of Patmos is, it's out in the Aegean Sea. I think there's one other one. I don't know if you guys can see this. There might be one more, too. Is there one other one? Right there, that might help. Do you guys see Patmos there? That's basically a little island, Grecian island. There's a monastery there now. There's the cave of the apocalypse where people can go and see where they believe John received this revelation. But then he sends a letter to these seven churches. These are physical churches. By the way, most of them, all of them, uh, and you can go to those cities and, and find where they believe many of them were located. They were true Churches, and by the way, can I just throw this out there? It's what I love about the Bible, because when the Bible gives descriptions of things, historically they're accurate. Historically they're accurate. When we, we study the history, the Scripture is historically accurate. When you look at geography, it's, the, the, the geography is very accurate. When it speaks of cities and places and things, they're not they're. The, They're finding them time after time. For many years, no one believed that Nineveh existed. Now we know that Nineveh existed. And so the Bible is an accurate book. Can somebody say amen there? And the more you study and the more you observe and the more they dig and the more they do archaeology and the more we look at history, the more we look at things, it actually authenticates that what we're studying right here is the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And so it's, it's accurate. And so when he mentions these cities and he writes to these cities, they actually do exist. And people can go there today and you can see them. And I believe that's very important. Don't you think that's very important? That when we, when, when in our writings and in our books, that when it gives us history, it's accurate history. And that it's accurate. And when it gives geography, it's accurate. These things are important. Because we don't have just a blind faith. Amen? So he writes these letters to the seven churches. He's exiled to the Isle of Patmos, where he's, in their minds, thinking that they're going to keep John from having impact. Can I just remind you of something? Bloom where you're planted. It's pretty awesome that John is sent to an island, and they think that we're going to exile him and shut him up, and, and he's going to have no impact. And, and it's, it's interesting because God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Because we are reading the letter that he wrote while exiled on Patmos. And God's ways are not our ways. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. And he, 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 he sees the beginning from the end. And, and John probably thought, well, there goes my ministry. Here I am out here on this island. And now who am I going to preach to? Who am I going to teach And I think it was more like this. God's like, you know what? I just need to get you away from all the distractions. So I'm going to send you out there. I'm going to allow you to be exiled so that you have plenty of time to write this letter. Bloom where you're planted. I want to jump down to the end and then just give you one final thought. But he sees this mystery in Revelation In the mystery, in the last couple verses, he shares with us what this mystery is. Remember, he said he turned around and he saw who we know to be the Lord holding seven stars in his hand. And it says that he was standing in the midst, in the middle of seven golden lampstands. And John doesn't understand what it is at first, but at the end of the chapter, as the Lord begins to reveal himself, which we'll talk about in just a second... He says this, he says, the seven stars that he was holding in his hand, he says, this is what the mystery is. That's the seven angels, the seven angels of the seven churches. And he says, the seven golden lampstands that you see me standing in the middle of, he says, these are the seven churches. And so the seven lampstands are the seven churches. That's a whole other message. But the idea is this, is that we are to be the light. Amen. We are to be holding up the light of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was in the midst. And may I remind you of something? As Jesus was in the middle of the seven churches, meaning he's present, can I tell you something? That the Lord Jesus Christ is present with us here today. It he says, I'm in the midst, I'm in the middle, and what comfort that brings us. As we gather together as believers, Jesus said, As he was still here on earth, he said, when we're two or three gathered together in my name, Jesus said this, I am there where? In the middle, in the midst. Can I remind you of something? That when we gather together, the Lord is with us. His spirit is with us. He is with us here even today. And we should never take that for granted. Amen? And then he says that he holds the seven stars. And he says the seven stars, he says, what they are is they're the angels of the church. And somebody say, well, what does that mean? The word angel means messenger. And the messenger is the one who brings the message. Most scholars, many people believe this, is that it literally means that he's holding the pastors of the church. And he calls them an angel. And I want you to know something this morning. I'm going to give you revelation. I am an angel. Amen? <laughs> My wife does not believe me. But what he's saying is that word angel is the one who who bears the the, the gospel and preaches the gospel, brings the news, the messenger. And so the letter was taken to the pastor, the angel, messenger, however you want to coin it, call it. And then he shared the message to the, the believers, to the body of Christ. And so he says, I hold them in my hand. That's a great comfort. What a great comfort that is. But I want to finish this morning. Just give me just four or five minutes, if that. With what Jesus says to him about who he is. Because we can get all into the whole Isle of Patmos and the seven churches, and we can get into the mysteries and all of those things. But I do not want us to miss the most important message, and that is this, is as Jesus started... Hear the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we get nothing else, Revelation chapter 1 reveals to us who Jesus Christ is. Let me just give you some of the statements that the Lord makes. Jesus said this. He says, I am the one who is, who was, and is to come. He's coming again. He says, I am the one who is, who was, and is to come. What he's saying is, is I am the one who, who, who was, meaning I have always been. Jesus has always been. Jesus, we're going to see in a moment, he says that he is the faithful witness. That he's the first fruits from the dead. He says that he is the ruler of the kings of earth. He is king of all kings. He is Lord of all lords. He says this, who, who, who has loved us. And he freed us from our sins by his own blood. He is savior. He says, I'm alpha. He says, I'm the omega. Think about that. He's, he's using that, that Greek language. I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm the alpha. I'm the, I'm the A to Z. I'm your everything. Amen. Jesus Christ, who was, who is, who is to come, the faithful witness, the ruler of the kings of earth, the one who loved us even before we loved him, who set us free from the burden of our sins by the shedding of his own blood. He says, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. Listen to these words. He says, I am the Almighty. Jesus is literally saying, I am God. Jesus is God. He has always been and he will always be. He's the almighty. He said, I am the first, I'm the last. The living one who was dead. He says, and is alive forever and ever. And I love what he says here. Listen to these words. He says, and I hold the keys of death in Hades or death in hell. I hold the keys. Let me say something to you, church. Listen to me. This church does not hold the keys to eternity. There is no church that, that, that has that power or authority. It's only the Lord Jesus Christ who has the power and the authority to hold the keys. He holds the keys to eternal life. He holds the keys to life and death. It is Him. It is not a church or this church or the church. There, listen to me. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who shed His blood for our sins. Amen. He says, I hold the keys of death and hell. Jesus holds the keys. Jesus is sovereign. He is God. In fact, why did they put Jesus Christ to death? Think about this. The capital crime that Jesus committed, that the Jews said that he committed in order to put him to death, was what they called blasphemy. Meaning this, Jesus said that he was God. And can I tell you something? Jesus didn't only say he was God. Jesus demonstrated that he is God when he resurrected on the third day. Amen? Amen. And so we celebrate on this day, on the Lord's Day, every Sunday, his resurrection... Jesus Christ holds the keys. He is God. Jesus said in John 10, I and my Father, we are one. One God. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is in control. I love this beginning of this book of Revelation because it reveals to us who Jesus Christ is. And by the way, who Jesus Christ is is of the utmost importance. Amen? Amen? And what Christ does is of the utmost importance. He holds the keys to eternal life. He holds the keys to death and hell. Amen? Only He has that power. Only He has that authority. You know what I love about this? When we look in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, that there is nowhere that you can go that God is not there. Amen? And that no man, no man has the ability to grant you permission or to keep you from having permission to having access to God. Not even the emperor himself could keep John from having fellowship with God. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, hoping to be shut up. And what does God do? God uses what what they were meaning for harm, and God uses it for good. Let me just encourage you, wherever you are, wherever you find yourself... It is not a coincidence. God has a purpose, and God has a plan. Amen? And we see this in the life of John, that God had a purpose. God had a plan. God was still at work. God is sovereign. God is in control. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? He is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. And listen to me, He is our Savior. He alone saves. Jesus Christ alone saves. This is important, because the Bible says... That we are washed by the shedding of His blood. It's through the finished work of what Jesus Christ has done. Can I just say this to you? Religion. (laughs) Religion is the enemy's greatest tool to keeping people from truly knowing who God is. Jesus Christ reveals to us that eternal life is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. All God's people said this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. And as we pray, we're gonna get ready to sing. I want you to think about the words of this song that we're about to sing. I want you to sing it out, but think about the words to this song that we're about to sing this morning. It ties right in. Ties right into Revelation chapter one. It's called Revelation Song, The Revealing of Who Jesus Christ is. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Oh, we thank you for your word that just to know that your word is powerful and it's alive. Lord, you are alive. You are the one who was once dead, but who is now alive forever and ever. Amen. And that you are the one who holds the keys to death and hell. That you are the one who who gives eternal life. That eternal life comes only through you. May we not just go through life, Lord, as we're going to study in this book, Lord, to these letters, that many of these churches were caught up in dead religion and traditions and orthodox And they lost their love for you. Lord, may we leave this place truly just in love with who you are. And that we have a relationship with you. That what we have here is not a religion. That this is not a religion. But it is truly just a genuine, true relationship and fellowship with you, Lord. we thank you. We thank you for the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin. And so we thank you, Lord. Thank you for being our Savior. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.